Welcome to Transmissions from the Evil Lair, the official podcast of the Brotherhood of Evil Geeks. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Seamart here to tell you about today's brand new episode of Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, I recently sat down with director Simon Horrocks. Uh, we talked about his new movie, which is in a Kickstarter phase right now. Uh, it's called Body and Soul. Uh, it's kind of all about uh, you know the 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 seamy underbelly of the uh, you know the modern music scene. Uh, we get into talking about that. Uh, Simon actually spent quite some years uh, working in the music industry, so he has firsthand uh, you know knowledge and accounts of uh, kind of how these things go, and that's what his new movie is all about. Uh, so you should go out and check that out. I hope you enjoy this interview on Transmissions from the Evil Lair. What's going on, everybody? This is Seamart, so of course that means this is Transmissions from the Evil Lair. Uh, I am alone again in the Evil Lair today. Uh, I, I should have explained that in the intro. I'm usually joined by my fiance, uh, but she is out doing a cosplay photo shoot right now. Uh, I'm not sure who she's dressed as today, but there will be pictures to follow shortly. So that, that mystery will be solved. Uh, so I'm just uh, I'm sitting here not necessarily alone. I have a special guest joining me today. Uh, we have a very special guest from uh, the you know on the other side of the globe. Uh, I have Simon Horrocks joining me here today, uh, uh, director of Body and Soul, which is in a Kickstarter uh, phase right now. Uh, thank you, Simon, for joining me. Hi, Chris. Uh, glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. No problem. No problem. We're uh, we're always glad to talk to anyone who's uh, glad to talk to us. So our, our doors are always open. <laughs> um, That's good. Yeah, I know we've been... Open door. Yeah, we've, I've been a follower of yours on Twitter before, but we've never actually talked until recently. Um, nice. It's what, funny how that happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the faceless, anonymous world of Twitter. Like, <laughs> usually everybody's too busy, you know, trolling everybody else to uh, <laughs> say positive yeah. things, I guess. You have to find out which ones are not the Russian bots before you can actually yeah. have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, the, like before we, I'm already going to get off on a tangent before we even talk about the project. But <laughs> I, I actually had an interaction the other day. On, uh, it was on Facebook, not on Twitter, where I was like raging at somebody, and then like I'm like, wait a minute, like I click on their profile, and like the the dead giveaway was um, this person was supposed to be an American. But as their their banner picture, they had a picture of the Catalan flag from Spain. Okay, ah, and like which you know might just seem <laughs> yeah. like okay, maybe he's somebody who's like politically like you know in the, you know into the news or whatever. Um, yeah, he's very educated. Yeah, yeah. It, like for a second, that's what I thought, and then I, I I had read somewhere that that's like kind of a cause of the of of the, the you know the latest cause of these you know anonymous Russian trolls. Is like furthering that divide between you know the Spanish yeah. government and the Catalonian government. Yeah, yeah. Um, destabilize, destabilize. Yeah. So it come like, oh, of course, <laughs> like it's a, you know it's a Russian trade. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. Before we get should, way too uh, distracted, 
Let's talk about uh, Body and Soul, the movie you're, you're currently working on right now. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, um, well, it's a bit of a, an adventurous project. Uh, well, the main, one of the kind of main selling points or interest points is that it's, we're going to shoot the whole thing on smartphones. Uh, obviously, it's not the first time that's been done, but there's not actually that many feature films that have been uh, filmed on a smartphone on smartphones so it's kind of a relatively new medium yeah it's kind of weird how film technology while you know our camera technology has been racing especially in the past 10 20 years like film technology as far as i know anyway i'm still i'm you know an outsider here but like it's still kind of not hasn't kept up that same pace like we're still making movies like the same way you know we've gone to, to digital from film but it's still kind of like you know, like a formal giant big camera when we haven't kind of, you know, yeah. going, kind of going the next step in that evolution, embracing the smartphone. I think so. I mean, uh, I mean, people even shoot with smartphones and they, they, they sort of stack t- a ton of equipment onto, onto the smartphone, like lenses and, uh, sort of stabilizers and dollies and grips and all kinds of stuff. So that in the end it's, uh, it kind of ends up looking like some, sort of professional camera and uh so we're going to try and avoid that actually because it seems a bit sort of defeating the object uh rather than that we're going to sort of go ahead and go well this this is well i'm literally talking to you with talking to you now with the, the thing that i'll be shooting this feature film on which is pretty kind of bizarre in a way isn't it <laughs> but uh it's yeah you know it's so small that and also so anonymous because everybody's walking around filming each other now and themselves and taking selfies and just having a chat or reading the news or whatever. So nobody's in any way bothered when you get a you know smartphone out and start taking pictures or filming. So that it's uh, you can just kind of creep around and uh, we want to try a bit more of a sort of guerrilla style, just sort of filming in the environment and rather than setting up this whole kind of formal situation with a, like you say, like not just a big camera, but with a, you probably need like 10 or, or well, you can have a crew of 100, 200 people if you're going to, you know, to a big, big kind of blockbuster shoot. And uh, we're just going to be maybe like four or five of us crew-wise maximum and, um, and just kind of, you know, moving around London and... Uh, and shooting where we feel that we can get away with it in a way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we won't, yeah. won't. Yeah, I think, and also just kind of, and the acting. I've deliberately written the script, which will be a sort of launching point, so that the actors can uh, sort of work around that rather than have to stick exactly to it. Uh, and so that, and sort of create. I mean, that obviously has been done before. But I just think that uh, it hasn't. What we can use that that sort of style uh, of acting and a sort of almost documentary style in a way, and and that will fit perfectly the use of smartphones, the sort of versatility, spontaneity, um, and the kind of creative where you can just sort of think on your feet rather than you know if you have a big crew of twenty people and all that equipment that goes with it. Uh, you can't just go, hey, let's go over there and start filming because uh, it's just like impossible. That will take you four hours to 
just to Block just to kind of issue issue yeah issue the orders and um, hey everybody take all that equipment that's here and go and put it you know you can't you just can't have those it's just impossible to do that so what rather than uh, using a phone and and sort of trying to mimic what a, a big budget production does we're going to say well this this is actually an opportunity to do something that you can't do with with a big budget because uh, I think that's you know, basically the best way of of using the the, the equipment to its strength. Uh, yeah, it's, you know. it's mobile. It's versatile. Let's yeah. you know, let's let's explore the space, if you will. <laughs> yeah, and you can literally have. I mean, we're sort of talking to Samsung about it, and you know, because uh, they sponsor our film festival. All right. So the there's a possibility. Film festival, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so they they could possibly uh, supply us with equipment, in which case we could uh, maybe have sort of five or six phones, and and, and that just gives us uh, uh, more opportunities to like, not just have one cameraman or camera person. Uh, we can have maybe you know several working at the same time, or even there's even a possibility of. Uh, Perhaps actors in the in the actual scene could be filming things while you're filming them. So, you know, because they if they're if they're playing a character that's filming something, they can actually be li literally filming something. Yeah. You see what I mean? Because because nowadays we're all walking around. Well, a lot of people are walking around filming things. Yeah, it's, it's for, not odd yeah. if somebody in the story pulls out a camera and starts recording. It's you know we yeah. see it every day. Exactly. But yet, in somehow, in films, we don't really see that very often. That we still see people using their smartphones just to talk to people, uh, which is kind of a very, actually quite a rare thing to use them for. Yeah. <laughs> I think actually, yeah, you know, the, uh, the thing it was invented, uh, you know, if, you know, yeah. again, like go back in time, thirty years ago, like your younger self, say, you know, thirty years from now, you know, that that phone that's you know hooked up to the wall in your room, like. You're going to have that yeah. with you all the time, and you're really never going to talk to anybody on it. Like, you're going to use it for so many other things besides yeah. actually talking to someone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you're the first person I've spoken to on this phone for maybe a few weeks, you know. So, uh, and I've, I've done much more filming on it. So I think it's quite, it's quite natural to actually have people... Uh, you know, be in the scene and to be filming things, and then to actually use that footage in the in the movie. So there's, there's things like that that we can experiment with. Which I can't think of a film that's actually done that. <laughs> maybe some, maybe someone knows. But uh, so it's all that kind of stuff. That's that's quite exciting. I think. Now this might be this. This just popped into my head as we were talking. It might be a yeah. totally dumb question. But like, as you're filming, you said you use multiple phones. Um, yeah. Is everything kind of recorded onto? Is it just you know whatever's recorded onto the phone is what you're using, or is it going to like a central kind of you know computer storage area? Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm picturing like some PA like grabbing one of the phones accidentally and like going for coffee and like, <laughs> oh my god, I left my phone at Starbucks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, hopefully we'll, we, yeah, we will have to work out a system. I've got some kind of ideas in my mind, like, uh, you know, we'll have 
yeah, we'll have somebody kind of looking after the phones and no and, one walk away with the phones. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, uh, we need that phone back now so we can get the footage off it, and um, we need somebody who basically cataloging everything because you know I guess we will end up with a lot of footage, uh, so which gives us lots to play with in the edit room, but also lots to to sort of go through. Uh, um, yeah. When you're when you're writing, does the because you, know, you know with with the technology in mind, are does it change how you're writing scenes? Like, are you thinking like, okay, we're kind of be we're going to be filming this like on the you know, kind of on the down low. We have to do this quick. Does it change like how long the scene you know is going to play out, or or you know maybe the dynamics of the scene in your mind as you're kind of uh, working you know through it? I guess I just uh, I mean for this one I thought I because I have. Uh, I worked in the music industry. Well, the, the story is set in the music industry, the sort of the sort of London scene. Well, actually, not really the music industry, but the, the people who are kind of on the outside of the industry, trying to you know make something of their they're, they're in bands and they're um, doing gigs and making demos and stuff, and they're like many sort of thousands of people, and like I did uh, a few couple of decades ago. Uh, and so it's kind of it's about these guys and I I wrote the script about that partly because of my, I know it and also because I have London has got a very kind of strong live music scene yeah well, of course uh, music scene yeah and, and also I have sort of connections to it so um, that will help me to get things like locations and stuff and and that you know sourcing everything that's that's part of that world will be easy for me um, so that will make it sort of easier to do on a lower budget. Mm. Um, as far as filming, I mean, I just wrote something that was that I, that I could that I could imagine that um, it's not going to be a problem. It's, everything is 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 in places that I know of, basically. Right. So, and and that I and I believe that they can that we can get hold of. Um, like but it is like Avengers so, movie, like. Stuff's not going to be exploding, you know, in the background. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no car chases. Yeah, uh, so I can I can give you give that spoiler away now. Uh, there's no uh, armies of aliens sweeping down to. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, next time, next one. But um, yeah, I mean, I just I wrote it so that I I uh, as a quite a, in a way a simple story because. Often I write quite complicated sort of sci-fi, mind-twisting things, and uh, this one is is a bit of a change of a direction uh, because I wanted to some because by having a sort of simple uh, plot, it's a kind of very human plot, and and it, in my my theory is it will allow um, the actors to to sort of come to. to to not be too twisted by too many plot things, and sort of bring more more of themselves to it, and more more sort of the character to it. Uh, so this this story is going to be much more about the actors and the performances and the sort of just like um, a sort of slice of human life kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That um, I think this is, this has definitely come up when we've talked to movies on this podcast before. Like sometimes. Yeah less, you know, not to beat a phrase to death, but less is more on the screen. Yeah. Like a simple story is the yeah. one that's going to, you know, end up being, you know, in the in the viewer's eye, like this epic thing. Like, the one yeah. I always go back to is 
for me is Jaws. Like we have, you know, oh, yeah. we're, we're a beach town. We have a shark. Let's go kill it. <laughs> That's the entire <laughs> plot of the movie. Like, but it, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's one of the best movies. It's a classic movie. Like, yeah. um, you know, not to stay on the Spielberg train, but for some reason this just jumped in my mind. Yeah. Uh, Saving That's, Private Ryan. Yeah. You know, this guy's yeah. brothers died. We need to go save him so his mom, you know, still has a kid. Like, simple yeah. plot, you know, three-hour yeah. epic film. Um, uh, and again, like, not every story has to be, you know, the Avengers. Not every story has to be world-ending yeah. to have uh, to have an emotional impact on people. Um, yeah. To kind of relate it to American television over here, um, I'm, I'm sure you guys have it over there. Um, the Breaking Bad spinoff, Better Call Saul. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, like Breaking Bad, when you think about it, is it's not, it's high stakes, but it's not, you know, world-ending stakes. It's a guy, you know, trying to save his family, basically, who ends up getting corrupted in the process. Still kind of a simple story. Better yeah. Call Saul, to me, is an even simpler story that with even lower stakes that okay. somehow, like, when I watch that show, I am riveted. And the, the basic conflict is basically two brothers who hate each other. Like, you know, the one brother is resentful of the other one, and the, the one who looked up to the, the, the older one is kind of hurt by that. You know, again, simple story. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. you know, it, it's down to the acting. It's Michael McKeon and, uh, yeah. and Bob Odenkirk, you know, taking this yeah. small story, just two brothers who don't get along, and it's just, I mean, the drama, the, you know, the, the tension and the drama between them in this show is just mind-blowing and again it's not the world's not ending you know nobody's nobody's gonna die ultimately uh i mean well i don't want to spoil things but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, it, it, nobody's gonna be out you know nobody's out to shoot anybody else nobody's out to you know yeah. murder somebody it's just you know yeah. my brother doesn't Most, like me and yeah yeah it's 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 i mean it's it's incredible to you know it's an incredible story yeah definitely i think i mean like you say the jaws and saving private ryan are good examples in a way quite a, a good example of of something that ha has lesser budget and something that has more budget so you know like the, the classic thing with jaws was that the shark didn't really work yeah uh, the, 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 the mechanical shark yeah, yeah. and it, so it kind of for movie forces better. yeah it forces the filmmakers to uh, focus on the human thing because because that's all they've got and so like you say it's just a simple everything any a, a story that everyone can relate to um, but it's still a lot of there's a lot so many layers in that story that are kind of not interrupted by the special effects or the you know the sort of awe-inspiring cinematic uh, yeah even like Saving Private Ryan in a way is 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 less about the people and more about the, yeah. the sort of technical, the technical genius of, especially the first twenty minutes of. Oh yeah. We we're gonna kick you in the face with the reality of war, kind of thing. Where <laughs> uh, it was just that, like that, that affected me for like for, I think about four days. I think. Yeah, I, uh, I just thinking first, about yeah, that. It's just intense. I mean, it's up to yeah. that. I mean, war movies up to that point, you think like, you know, John Wayne, like you know somebody gets shot and, like, grips their chest and, like, falls over. You're not expecting, like, yeah. you know, gory, bloody horror. <laughs> like, yeah. War movies up until then were, like, fun. Yeah. And you're thinking, yeah, yeah, actually, this would be all right. What are they complaining about? Yeah. You know, I, okay, you might, you might uh, get, a, get, 
you know, be one of the unlucky ones. But uh, it's always the heroes that win anyway, and it's you know, or the or the uh, the one he deserves to get nailed uh, does you know sort of die. But um, but in Saving Private Ryan, that first twenty, especially that first sort of uh, shot where the the um, what was it? There's a landing craft, and then the door goes down, and there's, they just and then there, there was no. I'm a hero. Just if you happen to be standing at the front, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what's it like getting it. into that? Like, are you like kind of jockeying for position? Like, uh, let me get in there first. Yeah. <laughs> I just it just showed the sheer sort of randomness of of, of war. Like, yeah, sure there are heroes, but. Basically, there's thousands of people that just so happened to be standing at the front, you know, and just got mowed down, and that was that. There was no uh, sort of heroic death. It was just gone. So I think that's why that really affected me, that film, because it was just, yeah, I, actually, war is a bad thing, isn't it? You know, I think oh, if you had, right had any doubt, yeah, <laughs> if you ever had any doubt, that was, that sort of... Um, convinced me um i'm assuming you know obviously the movie isn't finished yet since we're still in the uh the kickstarter phase but in the yeah. in kind of you know learning to shoot with the you know the, the smartphone have you run into your bruce the shark yet have you run into the thing that like i didn't expect this i now have to change my plan because i didn't you know expect this hiccup or this you know this technicality um, no, I've, I, I've, I haven't really done much smartphone filmmaking. Uh, I just been, I've got Filmic Pro, which is pretty much the, the essential, um, app for your phone. Mm-hmm. I think there isn't really much to compete with it, uh, in terms of turning your, your, your phone camera into, uh, something that you can, you, you know, you've got a lot of control over. Um, so there's that, and I've got a... Uh, smooth Q uh, gimbal thing, which keeps it steady. Well, uh, you know, has, does a really good job at steadying it. Um, so I've been practicing with that, walking around Soho at night to sort of get that London nightlife feel. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I you know I shot my first film with a camcorder. Um, it was like a six hundred pound, you know, yeah, eight hundred dollar camcorder. And just just like a consumer thing, and again, it was just me. I, the sound people that were, I had people doing sound, and it was well for the first six months of the shoot it was my friend who never sh- who never recorded sound before. <laughs> I, just, I would just say, hold the mic there, because I I had done sound before, and I had I had the kit, and I just I knew, so I knew kind of what to do, and I would just say, okay, just can you just hold it there, kind of thing. And then I would get on and start filming with my camcorder, um, you know. And that film ended up in a sort of festivals with with some big budget films in a festival in Germany that was kind of one of their most prestigious. And I was uh, I was surrounded by people that had made films for millions of uh, dollars, pounds, or whatever. Uh, so that was like a proof to me that you can take something a consumer camera and it's really about creativity and um uh, and talent and the, the acting and the, and the story uh, more than uh the equipment in that sense mm. um so yeah i have really I have, sorry to answer your question <laughs> i mean i have 
so far I haven't had any difficulties with it. So I, what I was trying to say was that you know, with because I've had sort of a lot of experience using a, um, a camcorder. Yeah, I kind of prepared for for the limitations already. So, all right. I think this I think this camera in this phone is is you know quite a step is quite a few steps above the camera that I used last time. <laughs> um, tell us about the story of uh, Body and Soul a little bit. Is it uh, kind of different than what you've done in the past, or you know still have you been mainly working like in dramas and stuff like that? Yeah, it's pretty different. I mean, uh, most of the stuff that I've written before is quite kind of high concept, usually sci-fi. Um, I have done some romance uh, dramas and stuff. I mean, they're all, they're all in script stage, apart from my last, my two films, which are Third Contact and uh, Cosmos, which was a web series, um, which is now a kind of TV pilot. Which is, right. yeah, uh, they're both about. Yeah, they're both on Amazon, getting views. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're just sort of just ticking along there now, really. But um, so yeah, but they're both quite sort of uh, sort of hardcore sci-fi, thinking sci-fi rather than um, you know special effects sci-fi. <laughs> if, you, if you see what I mean. So this story is is really like I was saying, it's just a human story, quite simple, really. Uh, about a it's about a a guy who was a, a successful guitarist um, in the past, and he's now a band manager, and he's managing a girl band, like a uh, the sort of punk post punk band uh, in the present day, and um, it's all a bit chaotic, and he hasn't got any money he's running out of money the, the sing the mid lead singer's dad is kind of funding them um but the lead singer has got a drug and alcohol addiction problem and her boyfriend is is pretty manipulative and sort of leading her um, in the wrong direction not really helping basically uh, so there's a there's a struggle between that situation to sort of as uh, you know the the manager wants to uh, save her from that keep her without interfering too much but he just he he doesn't yeah he's trying to get this deal basically his vision his he's fixed on the deal getting the deal and that will solve things um and the dad is kind of interfering and saying well we want to get rid of this guy this boyfriend because he's ruining everything the dad is just he's, in a way the dad is more ruthlessly um trying to get this deal done than than the manager but uh so yeah, but it's really uh, like I say, it's it's not a sort of high concept thing. It's it's really going to be more of a study of people and and uh, with it with it's got this sort of thriller element to it because he because the manager um, is 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 pushed into hiring a, sort of a local um, hard man to scare away the boyfriend. And so this kind of and it's kind of like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to um, stop funding this band, my daughter's band, if you don't sort this out, if you don't hire this guy and get it done, um, we're going to cut off the funds. So he's pushed in, yeah, he's, he's got this dilemma between his principles of that that's not something he'd ever really do. But then again, this guy is, is you yeah, know, he could end up, this, this 
boyfriend could end up killing the lead singer just in his mind from uh so leading her in this direction mm. uh, sounds very elmore leonardy like you know lots of like to kind of like yeah. you know, low life characters kind of all out for their own yeah. you know motivations um, yeah, there's, there is. Yeah, definitely. There's there's that side of it. The music, the music industry. I kind of get, try to show it as I sort of remember it, which probably isn't too um, <laughs> uh, flattering, <laughs> shall we say? Um, but I haven't gone too. I don't want to make them caricatures either. You know, I don't want it to make. I don't want to make a film where I'm just getting my revenge on. <laughs> music industry uh but yeah i just tell it how as i remember it really lots but, of characters with one name different than the person in real life who <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's right david <laughs> uh no yeah so but what uh, i mean i think yeah oh, sorry go ahead go ahead well, I was just going to say, I mean, because one of the things that I, you know, obviously watched films about music industry. And of course, if you've been in the music industry, you sit there going, "Oh God, that's ridiculous." <laughs> uh, so I kind of, I mean, those films are fun and everything. I don't have anything against them, but I just thought it'd be nice to have something alternate, which is um, something from the point of view of someone who's actually experienced it and isn't going to glamorize it. Yeah, it's uh, the just, reality of the situation, basically, not, not yeah. just the the glittery version. Yeah, the sort of thing that we want to believe the music industry is, um, because that's what's usually sold to us. <laughs> even things like even things like Whiplash, which is which is quite a brutal film, <laughs> still it's still glamorizing the whole the sort of dedication of being a musician. Still, still sort of sensationalizing it. I think. Did you have you seen that film? Uh, I'm familiar with it. I have not seen it though. I actually okay. just kind of read a synopsis of it recently um, because, okay. I, because I hadn't seen it. it you know, it's one of those things yeah. that gets referenced a lot. So I, I yeah. read up on it finally. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite powerful. I was going to say, what kind of led you, uh, you know, away from music towards film? Was it just you know, I, you would did you grow tired of it? Like I just need to do something different. Yeah, but I I always wanted to be a film director. I had I had a Super Eight, well actually a standard eight millimeter camera when I was seven years old. Uh, my dad bought it for me because I said I wanted to be a film director because mm -hmm. I I'd totally hooked on the sort of the cinema, the escapism of it, and I was just I just knew straight away that that was what I wanted to do. Oh no! Um, <laughs> yeah, and I was always going to be doing. Yeah, all through school and then I, I remember sitting in my careers interview and the guy was like well what do you want to do when you leave school and I said I want to be a film director well I remember my parents sitting there and he just went <laughs> well anyway no, well when you think of something sensible yeah when you think of something sensible to do like maybe a teacher or you know and I just thought who is this idiot well, why is he telling me that and I said you know I'm not going to listen to you but um, <laughs> and then I went to art college and I did a year of art college, actually worked, made some films with Jonathan Glazer, if you know him, the director. Uh, yeah, that, was, that name does ring a bell. I, I can't recall off the top of my head, but I know I've heard it before. He did some British films, Sexy Beast. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Under the Skin, I think. Is Under the Skin or something? Under the Skin, one with uh, Charlotte, Charlotte Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. 
Yeah. yeah. Weird alien weird alien thing. Yeah, that was a really, really odd film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I did, well, that was when I was about 18 or something, so we, we met then. I haven't seen him since, but... Um, and then and then I, I sort of had a crisis of confidence about it all and ended up just somehow falling into music um, and just, I think it was... It was partly to us because my both my parents were were artists and and I always in my mind been been building up to this I was going to be a film director mm-hmm. and and then it just kind of the pressure of it just got to me and I just couldn't I just couldn't do it and so yeah I just ended up doing music and ended up making a living out of it uh, and then partly because the music industry changed and also our living was kind of taken away. There was, there was like a series of, of events which caused uh, things to collapse. I was working with someone else and we were composing for television and stuff. And yeah, so, well, it was like Woolworths, which was a big distributor in, in the UK. And they went bust. And just as they were about to release our music that we'd spent, I think, maybe like two years working on. I was just about to release this music and then it, this was in the days of CDs and you had to have it on a CD and uh, and all our CDs got locked in this warehouse and we, oh. and yeah, the people that that were um, sort of dealing with the bankruptcy said, you can't have your CDs unless you give us 30,000 pounds. Oh. And I was like, okay, so that's not happening. Oh, uh, and then have those CDs. Yeah, yeah. And then the the guy who owned the publishing company that we worked for died. Uh, so that company ended up in a bit of a mess. And yeah, and then we, they just started saying, well, we can't pay you. Because of all the digital stuff now, the way it's becoming, I mean, the downloading and stuff is affecting things. And, and as it's so much easier for people to record music now, we're not going to pay you to actually record the music. Uh, so that sort of pushed us into, well, it pushed me into sort of looking for other things, really. Uh, and I just thought, well, I've always wanted to, actually, the whole time that we were doing music, I was writing screenplays because I thought, okay, I can't, yeah, I'm not going to be a director, I'm going to be a writer. And so I was writing screenplays for a long time. I wrote a lot of features and I had some sort of near successes. I had an agent in Hollywood at one point for that year and he had a script. And there's an opportunity to go to Hollywood, and you know he said, "Come over, live here. You got to live here, and then I'll get you into meetings." And oh, the um, inevitable move to LA, like oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I, I entertained that idea like a couple of years ago, like in my earlier thirties, and yeah, it's it, I, I know, like I have you know I have a I have a pretty you know straight laced nine to five day job. So at the time it was like, okay, I can leave, you know, this is the thing I really, really want. You know, at the time I was writing, um, our site, yeah. our site was a lot more focused okay. on like, you know, like reviews, like critical reviews. And, uh, I had written a, a, a cartoon animated series at the time. Um, so okay. I, I had stuff kind of in the air. I'm like, and, and you know, I'm like, I, I know I need to do this. There's no other way to like, you know, I, I'd gotten to the point where, I'd done everything I can do from here, like, you know, in upstate New York. Like, if I want to go any further, I need to, like, take that step. 
And it's just so it's so nerve wracking just knowing that like yeah. I'm leaving like a forty five thousand dollar fifty thousand dollar a year job to go yeah. start over from square one. You know? Yeah, I'm like I I believe in myself. I you know I know I can do it, but yeah. at the same time, like oh god, the thought of just <laughs> like oh like going going back to like yeah. starting over like in a shitty small apartment, like going back to like yeah. eating ramen noodles like you're in college again, like just. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's part of the, you know, that's kind of a built-in feature of, you know, the creative process. Like, that's how you, weed, yeah. you know, weed out the, weed out the diehards from the, you know, the casual folks. And I'm, you know, sad to say I, I didn't, uh, never made that move, but I, I yeah. God, I wish I had, yeah. You do wish, you regret that you didn't, you didn't go. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't regret where things have gone since then. Like, you know, yeah. I, 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 this show has certainly become more important to me. Like I've done, you know, I've, yeah. I've had interactions because of the show. I never, never would have had, you know, had I never done the show. So, you know, I'm still satisfied, but at the same time, yeah. in the back of my head, there's always going to be like, what if you just like <laughs> that extra step, you know? Yeah. I think, well, I mean, obviously, well, with one factor for you was that you, you were comfortable uh yeah. where you were so yeah like you said you didn't really want to go back to sort of struggling again i mean i was struggling anyway so it didn't really make a difference to me yeah. but i also had i had a 10 year old son so it would have been difficult i mean there's no way that i would have really wanted to take him to la and, and you know sort of do that to him like that would yeah. be such a, yeah, a really. crazy shock and so then it would be leaving him uh didn't really want to do that either but also I kind of had the feeling that I got the sense that it was like you come to Hollywood, you write your spec scripts, you go and pitch them, and then they'll just give you an assignment. Yeah. Because most, most of the work is basically, if you're lucky, um, can you write this for us? Or can you write, you know, rewrite this? We need you to do a you know, polish on this or a dialogue beef up on that. Yeah, I mean, I uh, no grand illusion that I was going to be handed like a sitcom or anything like that. Like, yeah. I would have been totally happy just, you know, being a part of a writer's room. Like, yeah, give me that job. Okay. Give me that, like, you know, give yeah. Me that, yeah, work for 14, 15 hours in a day and, you know, crack out a script. I, I personally love yeah. it, you know? But yeah, just starting yeah. over financially was the, 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 the yeah. non-starter. I think I'm just too weird, though, because... I think I just, you know, like if you if you see my films, you'll I think you'll see that I'm just too weird <laughs> to <laughs> to work in Hollywood uh, because that's saying I've, something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they might be weird, but the stuff they turn out is usually, you know, quite straight, isn't it? It's quite sort of yeah, uh, pretty cookie cutter, like by the so consumable. Yeah, I'm quite normal, but the stuff I write is quite weird. <laughs> so we're opposites, you know, but. Um, I just felt I had this feeling that I wouldn't have any power at all because, although it was the great thing about um, America, I think in general is that because in, in in Britain it's all about there's a sort of who you know thing like you have to be seen in the right places and know the right people and, and sort of make the right friends and things. But what I found with with LA in America was that it was just okay, you're talented, come over. Yeah. Just, uh, okay, it felt like if you, you've done something okay. notable lately, great, you're hired. Like, yeah, yeah, it just felt like, oh, that's simple. It's kind of maybe I'm being naive. I don't know, but no, it's really uh, you pretty much felt, like fall ass backwards into it, and, you know, yeah. and like basically just hope for the best. Because in Britain, there's so many weird political games you have to play, 
it's very i mean it's just totally sort of twisted in that sense they you know it's to have that sort of refreshing yes you're good in you come kind of thing yeah that, that was great um but obviously i felt like but once you're here you do what you're told and we'll pay you lots of money and you do what you're told doesn't really it's not very really, i just couldn't see myself lasting i just couldn't see myself being happy basically um so i chose the path of poverty and artistic fulfillment <laughs> in the end yeah so that was my yeah so that was that was so i did a lot of writing and then i got to this point where the music crumbled and i just thought actually i've done enough of this anyway yeah. and it's not it's not paying it's paying such a small amount of money that i could you know i could work in a it feels like working in a bank now because because the music that we were doing was 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 just to order it was yeah. started off it started off as fun and but we did one year we did like 100 pieces of music and that was like i felt really burned out and just felt like this isn't leading anywhere which i'm just going to be on the treadmill writing music that isn't really sort of true to what i want to do yeah i i kind of noticed that in myself too as like okay i went on with like with our website that one of the reasons i don't do a lot of writing anymore is just because I, it, it became like it became a function it became a mechanical function it was just okay sit down uh in like yeah. an hour to 45 minutes i'll have a you know a complete article to crank out like there's nothing there's nothing left of me in it anymore it's just you know it's just the thing i wrote like it, there's no connection anymore there's not not that personal yeah. part of me in it anymore. It was just, you know, this is what I did. You know, I, yeah. I needed an article. I wrote an article. Like it's just very impersonal. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely I get that a lot. I, I understand that. Yeah, I think it's difficult for people to imagine that because they imagine that, hey, you're writing music. You've you've landed the dream, and you know you're writing music and you're getting paid for it, or you're writing articles and you're writing books or you're writing scripts and. Wow, it must be so wonderful, but actually, yeah. I mean, I do enjoy, I do enjoy writing my, my scripts now because, because I just, because once you've made your own film with your own money, then that block thing is gone. There's no thing of, I need to write this to get the, to get somebody to invest in me. Yeah. It's, it's just, kind of weird how just, yeah, it almost costs you passion to, to get farther with it, to, you know, to put in the yeah. work, like. I, it's another thing that really like got to me was if I was writing about things um, that I loved. Like I, I used to do a lot of TV reviews, and I would do, uh, I did The Walking Dead, I did Doctor Who, um, yeah. a couple other shows, you know, here and there. And it was as soon as the show was over, I'd get up, go to my computer, and just write my review. And it got to the point yeah. where, it, again, it just became a mechanical function. It was just work, and I wasn't enjoying these things. That I, that I, I the yeah. reason I was writing about them is because I really loved them. But yeah. Because I wrote about them, I no longer really love them. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. Well, that that's the curse of I think, well, kind of the curse of of anything that you, you know, it's like if you if you love film and then you become a filmmaker, it's completely, it changes the way you see films, doesn't it? Um, or whatever, whatever your 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 art is. Yeah. You, you know, you, you as a as a as a person sitting in a cinema, 
as a as a you know young man sitting in the cinema, I was pretty innocent, and and now I've studied it for for decades. I'm I can I'm sort of observing every little nuance, <laughs> uh, yeah, every bit of sort of oh that scene's doing that and that shot there connected with that cut to there. That, oh, that's weird and yeah, and sort of like. It's a different experience, isn't it? Yeah. You can sort of pull it apart too much sometimes. Yeah, you start to see, uh, you know, again, to kind of use a phrase here, you see, like, the, the lines in the Matrix, basically. Like, yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it would be it would be criminal of me to not to ask. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of music myself. What um, yeah. what music kind of, uh, you know, informed you for, for this for this project? What were you, know, what were you, what were you listening to, like? What was in your head as you were kind of coming up with this? Well, I, I think, not too much to be honest. I mean, I was the band is this like post punk girl band, partly because I know uh, a friend of a friend kind of thing who's and they're doing pretty well in in this band. And I was I was kind of there at the beginning. They did. I remember their first gig. Uh, in this little kind of grimy London venue, um, and they literally didn't really know how to play because uh, they'd done. <laughs> so I think they'd many done punk bands before them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that you need to know how to play to be. Well, I think you need to have some kind of uh, efficiency, shall we say, <laughs> to be. You know, to sort of get keep it, it to give it something, some kind of impact. Um, but anyway, they were they were sort of pretty rough that night. Uh, and then just over a couple of years, they've they had a few they had that band member change, and then slowly this this they, they sort of develop the sound, and, and now they they're doing pretty well and getting they just put their first album out. Uh, so I followed that a bit, and that that inspired that sort of informed some of the the story choices. Um, but other than that, I. I don't actually listen to. I'm not really that sort of tuned into the to kind of music these days. So, and really, this is a story about the people, and I'm. I, I wanted to leave that open so that because again, it's like. Yeah, if you say if you say like this is a movie about rock musicians, yeah, you automatically yeah. lose anybody who's not into rock and roll music. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's not about. It's not really about the music. It's. It's about the people. And. Because because when I was when I was in a band, this is like back in 1992, 93, uh, 93 that sort of time. We had like Radio One play, and we had we were met with single of the week and Melody Maker. Um, so we had this sort of small amount of success, not quite, we didn't quite sort of get through. But still, we you know we had we had a lot of experience, and all kind of gradually all our friends our friend circle were all like in the people in the early 20s in bands recording doing demos you know we were all in the same kind of fight sort of plugging away trying to you know, you know sending it off doing gigs with this sort of hope of of, of doing something of lifting yourself somehow into some because because I think you know, we listen to music as as young people, like kids and a teen in our teen years, and we we feel really inspired by it. And so, of course, you kind of want you somehow want to be that. You want to. It's like you dream. Yes, maybe I can. I can do that. I can. I can somehow create that as well, not just watch it. So I was surrounded by all these people, all our friends, and 
pretty much none of the, I don't think any of them made any success. Um, but yeah, none of them made a living or, or ended up having a hit or anything. So um, I wanted to write a script that, and there were lots of different types of music. So I just wanted to write a story that could that could actually encompass all these people. Um, I'll, you know, I'll kind of ask the same question, except I will, uh, you know, what about movies? What kind of movies influenced you uh, in creating, uh, you know, kind of, not just this movie, but you know, your other movies as well? Um, what kind of movies? Oh, well, I've watched quite a few. Um, I've seen one or two in my day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I, like, I do like all the sort of classic filmmaker, uh, all the, the sort of Film directors love you know, Kubrick and Scorsese. Well, I mean, loads of stuff. All this, the French New Wave. Uh, these are the kind of icons of, of cinema, really. Mm. Um, I, can't, I, I did love uh, Charlie Kaufman when he, when he sort of popped up, and um, being John Malkovich was pretty inspiring to me at the time because yeah. because I was I was writing these crazy scripts and I. And I assumed that, that that would be impossible to ever get anyone to make these stories. You know, right. they could never be, never be successful, I thought. And then this came, I thought, whoa, this is even more weird than, yes, <laughs> than me. But, your, hey, we can do it. Your Charlie Kaufman, <laughs> your David Lynch's, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Christopher Nolan as well. When, uh, oh, nice. Because I worked in the, when I left when I kind of dropped out of the music business, I, I had to actually just get a normal day job and for the first time in twenty years, and I got this job in the cinema in the IMAX in um, Waterloo in London, like the big IMAX, and like I think within a, within a few months they had The Dark Knight coming, which of course was. Uh, uh, shot specifically for the IMAX screen, yeah, with the IMAX cameras. Yeah, oh yeah. And, yeah, and it was huge, and it just sold out. We we were showing it twenty four seven. We were showing it at three in the morning, <laughs> um, and it's selling it out, you know. And so, as a cinema worker, I had to actually sit in the. You have to. Part of our job was to sit in the screen through the film. You couldn't sit outside and ignore it. You, you literally had so oh, at about. Really? Seven, yeah, so you can imagine this was showing round the clock, seven days a week, yeah. See the and, and sold out. Yeah, and we, as my job was to sit in, partly my job was to sit in that screen and and watch that film over and over and over again. Uh, so I, I I lost count at about fifty times, I think. <laughs> but, That's yeah. crazy. See here, it's different. Our, like because I was not sure for a while. And, yeah. you know, we're constantly on the move. They, you know, they don't want us sitting and watching the movies, but we have to do, you know, theater checks uh, at certain okay. times. Like, I think the, yeah. it used to be um, 40 minutes after the movie starts and then an hour yeah. after the movie starts. You have to go in and do another one. You just walk okay. through. So there were so many movies where I got to see that, you know, those two specific points. Like, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. know almost word for word yeah. scenes playing at forty minutes in, like an hour in, you know, an hour into yeah. every movie. Like you could walk in and just from memory, like recite it. So I'd seen it yeah. like you know, twenty, thirty times in a day. Yeah, yeah. That was that must be strange. You must have a strange experience of those movies. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> this is another weird kind of uh, common ground I've noticed. With, like, 
you know, I've interviewed, I mean, comic writers, directors, movie writers, TV writers, comedians. I would say, honestly, like 50 to 60% of everybody who, you know, I've interviewed has at one point in their life worked in a movie theater. Like, it's really? weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird how many... Because it, it's kind of, it kind of create it's, it's attractive, like a creative mind, I think. Like, you know, yeah. you get to, you're close to movies, you get to see movies. Um, I, I, I was talking about this with a comedian, uh, an American comedian over here, who, who's gone on to write stuff for, uh, created a show for uh, IFC. Um, yeah. And we were kind of talking about how you're, you're, you're almost in a weird way, like, the gatekeeper of culture for, like, your kind of set of friends if you're, you're in that position at the movie theater because people are always asking yeah. you, what did you think of this movie? What's this movie like? What yeah. You know? So it's weird. It's, yeah. very, it's very weird how that job kind of like lends itself to creative types. Yeah. yeah. You, you get a little bit of, uh, sort of extra knowledge of it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I was, when I first watched The Dark Knight, I I just thought, oh, this is okay. It's not. I, I'm not a fan of superhero films and stuff. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, this is an average sort of film and, you know, Hollywood thing, not really my thing. But then I, I got, I got so bored of watching it, like literally from the beginning to the end. And I think when I got, I started analysing it and and writing notes to work to work out what was going on, just to stop myself from going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think after about the seventh time, I was like, actually, this is a really cool film. This is like, you know, it really sort of. Uh, Maybe it just brainwashed me or something. I don't know, but it was... There's definitely a lot more quite, going on with that film than just, like, yeah. the surface. It had a real sort of Shakespearean quality to it, I think. Yeah. The, the, the sort of powerful drama of it, the sort of... You know, because, like, with the Shakespearean play, so I've read a few, and I'm a big fan of Shakespeare, but they have this sort of... Um, you know, it's all going on in the royal family, kind of murder and betrayal and stuff, twi plot twists. Yeah. And it, it did have that kind of feel about it, I think, <laughs> which which I thought was, which yeah, I thought, wow, this is actually a kind of Shakespearean thing almost that, yeah, as and it's a Hollywood uh, massively successful yeah, movie again. Yeah, it's a blockbuster, but there's actually yeah. some thinking required, like yeah. yeah. But so again, it kind of inspired me to go, oh yeah, you can actually be complicated and sort of have things at different levels and and still. Um, succeed kind of thing. <laughs> um, we've been doing this almost an hour already. We were like 15 wow. minutes in. Yeah, believe it or not. Um, been rambling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, uh, give us the, the information on the Kickstarter. When, uh, you know, where can people go get, uh, kind of help you out? Okay, well, I, I guess if you, uh, go to Kickstarter, I think we, if you look at the, the film and video projects, I think we're in, in the, uh, the top five, like, most popular it's called body and soul so i presume if you search body and soul you'll find it um and yeah give us a share it pledge get every every pound dollar um yen counts so yeah we, we really appreciate anybody's help because um it's, you know we're aiming to get thirty thousand pounds i think that's like forty thousand fifty thousand dollars maybe it started already you're only, you're only a couple of days into it i think you're just about to hit five yeah 000. yeah i was just looking at it before we started yeah. okay yeah we, we had a good start <laughs> um 
and but you said you know it's quite a small amount of money but we to make to a feature go, yeah. to make a feature film we, we've got a long way to go uh yeah it's going to be it's quite hard work uh, but every the more people that kind of join us and get involved with it the better really it's it's always fun we're always chatting to people on twitter we're, we're very, very sort of uh communicative in that way um they, so they get you on twitter so my twitter is s i it's it's sci horuk so S I H O double R O C K S I H O double R O C K. So yeah, come and have a look. Come say hi, and uh, we appreciate everybody's uh, help. Great so far. You know, we've got some great backers and uh, great support. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with us. Today. We definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. It's been uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, this has been Transmissions from the Evil Lair. I am Seamart. And, of course, one last gigantic thank you to Simon Horrocks for joining us today. Thank you. <laughs> and thanks for listening, folks. Go ahead!